0: Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBurge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you.
1: Inspiring you to bring God back into the conversation of the day. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like you keto.
2: Know.
0: Hey, good morning again. Hour two of Mornings with Carmen on this Wednesday, the 21st of February. Uh, In case you're not aware of this, this is a leap year, so there's going to be an extra day in February. So, you know, it feels pretty good, right? There's an, I mean, you know, an extra day. Who doesn't need an extra day? I don't know that it's going to feel like an extra day when we get to the 29th of February, but I thought, you know, now's the time to start talking about it because it's going to happen. I mean, you know, Unless the Lord comes before then, which also possible. All right. Uh, Not what I had intended to talk about this morning. Here we go. Um, I came across a quote from N.T. Wright, um, who is a uh, theologian um, in the UK. Anyway, good, good, thoughtful guy. Lent, the season that we're in right now, Lent is a time for discipline, for confession, for honesty, not because God is mean or fault finding or finger pointing, but because God wants us to know the joy of being cleaned out, of being ready for all the good things he now has in store. What needs to be cleaned out today? What needs to be purged from your life? Um, have you been picking up offenses and those are cluttering up your spirit? Um, Do you have a habitual sin um, that needs to be cleaned out in order that you can make room for not only um, obedience to what God commands, but the goodness that God desires to give? And this is not um, a season of fault finding or finger pointing in terms of what God is trying to help us cull from our lives and have cleaned out. Um, but it is possible that you have become a finger pointer and a fault finder. And so if right now your spirit is, everything is other people's fault, other people aren't doing for me all the things that they should be doing, um, Lent is a time of sober judgment about ourselves. It's a time of standing in front of the mirror and saying, what do I need to do? What do I, um, how do I need to be made different by the Holy Spirit? What needs to be purged in order to make room for all of the good things that God does have in store for you? Because God is a God of blessing. God is a God of grace. I commend to you today Psalm 51. David says, be gracious to me, God, according to your faithfulness, according to the greatness of your compassion. Do what? Do what? Wipe out my wrongdoings. David is coming before God in Psalm 51 as a person who is very aware of his sin, very aware of his guilt, feeling the shame of it. And the consequences not only in in his life, but in um, the life of his family and in the country that God has called him to lead. And David comes before God in humility, asking for grace. Grace that is according to the faithfulness of God, according to the greatness of God's compassion. Do what? Do what? Don't overlook my wrongdoings. Don't, don't bring me goodness uh, even, you know, even in the midst of my sin. No, no. Wipe out my wrongdoings. Wash me thoroughly from my guilt. Cleanse me from my sin. I know my wrongdoings. My sin's constantly in front of me. <laughs> Do you ever feel like that? Do you ever feel like the thing that you know best about yourself is, um, is the thing that is your habitual sin? like the, um, the, the life-controlling influence over your life that you would very much like to be freed from, but have to this point um, been captive to, yeah, you are not alone. <laughs> you're not alone today. You may feel alone today, but you're not alone today in that. David goes on, Against you, God, only you have I sinned, done what is evil in your sight. You are justified when you speak and blameless when you judge. And then David goes on to say, God, I know that you desire truth in the inmost being, in my innermost being. And in secret, um, you will make wisdom known to me. So purify me, God. Purify me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Cleanse me, and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sin and wipe out all my guilty deeds. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Maybe that's one of those verses that you sing. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, O God, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain me with a willing spirit. I will then teach wrongdoers, sinners, your ways, and people will be converted to you. Like, that's the goal here of Psalm 51. David isn't pleading all of this for his own benefit. He's pleading it ultimately for the benefit of the advance of the knowledge of God in the, in the generation in which he lives. So maybe you're pleading today um, with God. Are you pleading for your, you know, own sense of rightness? Or are you pleading that God would wash you thoroughly from your guilt and cleanse you of your sin? knowing your wrongdoings and having your sin constantly before you. Like, that's where we live. I mean, we all know it. I mean, I, I I, know you know this because nobody knows your sin better than you. Nobody knows my sin better than me. It's constantly before me, right? And God alone is the one to whom I can go and say, purge me of this. I mean, it's, it's against you, God, that I've sinned. I'm your I'm your created child, and I have not lived in um, joyful submission to your good and godly design. God wants to pour out his blessings upon us, um, but we're not standing anywhere near the waterfall. We're just not. Um, and, and the reason for that is we have moved so far away from the center of God's will that there's no blessing flowing where we're standing. So um, the waterfall not going to move. God's not going to change. Yeah, His mercies are new every morning, but you got to be standing under the waterfall of that grace. So I'm going to encourage you today to consider and pray through Psalm 51. This is the season of Lent. It is a time, yes, for discipline and confession and honesty, not because God's mean or fault-finding or finger-pointing, but because God genuinely wants us to know the joy of being cleaned out, ready for all the good things that He has in store for us. So let's get ourselves there so that we might be beneficiaries of what James says in chapter one of his book. Every good and perfect gift is from the Father above, coming from the Father of light, from whom there is no variation or shadow of change. God's not changing. (laughs) But he calls us to. Hey, our brother Bill English is going to join us next. We're going to we're going to put our thinking caps on at the intersection of the Christian worldview. And the world of work, because um, chances are you are headed to work or you're already at work. Andrew's already out there walking dogs today, so love hearing that. Uh, Bob's already refining a message that he gave at uh, one church and is now being invited to deliver at another. So, you know, people got their thinking caps on today. People are at work, or maybe you're headed to work. So let's uh, talk about the Christian faith uh, at intersection with what we do at work. That's up next. You're on Worries with Carmen. Hey, our brother Bill English is back from bibleandbusiness.com. Good morning, Bill.
1: Hey, good morning, Carmen.
0: What are you thinking about this morning? Uh,
1: <laughs> you know, it's it's interesting that you asked that question. I'm actually got up early and was working on the performance review section mm-hmm. of my dissertation and mm. I am finding that uh, the whole human resources area that I'm writing There's just not a lot in Scripture that corresponds to um, parts of human resources. I found a lot on compensation, a lot on hiring well, zero on firing well, and I'm I'm struggling to find good uh, biblical teaching or examples on performance reviews. So you asked what I'm thinking about. That's what I'm thinking about this morning. And I'm thinking about economics and the Christian worldview.
0: Hey, is hiring well like come follow me? Because I feel like Jesus's selection process of the disciples is super suspect.
1: It is because we don't, <laughs> that that come follow me is not, in my estimation, comparable to what we do in hiring people within business. I just don't. Mm. I, yeah, I, I'm, no, I'm it's not
0: because we're not really, yeah. I guess we're not hiring people as like a pattern of life. Come be yoked to me. Walk as I walk. Talk as I talk. Yeah, we're not. But But we are inviting them maybe into a shared mission.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, what is the mission of the business, and what is the mission of that business that God has entrusted to the Christian business owner as part of the owner's service to the Lord while the owner is here on this earth? Absolutely, we're inviting them into that mission. Yeah.
0: Jesus, um, when Jesus talks about, you know, doing the work of the Father, and, you know, the the Father's always working, so I'm always working, um, I think the work ethic thing is pretty good there, and the— uh, maybe I don't know. When you talk about human resources and you talk about looking for scriptures that might speak to that, um, like help me understand how you how you go to scripture and ask that question.
1: Uh, that's a, you know, this has really challenged my research skills and how I think about the scriptures relative to business ownership and uh, and how business functions. I generally go to Scripture. I pray. I ask God, you know, <laughs> I need something here because I'm not all-knowing about the Scriptures. And then I just use resources. Um, uh, the thematic Bible is one of the ones, that, that index that they have in the thematic Bible is really helpful. Um, I do uh, word studies, both in the English and in the Greek and in the Hebrew, using the Logos system, the Logos mm-hmm it's uh, really good uh, system and then uh and then I just I I got to let it kind of percolate you know you you can't rush you know a woman can't birth a baby in 7 months just by you know putting more effort into it and and some of this writing you <laughs> can't, you can't uh, you can't force it you can't rush it you got to let it percolate
0: no that's really good um can we pray for you in that process
1: oh sure yes
0: Father, um we we love Bill and we love the way that you animate his life. We love the way that you um you just you just have a hold on him. And so he desires to use his intellect um and uh and the interest and capabilities that you have given him, um he desires to use them not only to your glory but really for the edification of your people. And so lead him, Father. Lead him to the stories or the patterns or the people in Scripture that you would have him point to in terms of the work um, currently before him um, in in the writing of this
1: book. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Thank you, Carmen. That was yeah. That was very nice.
0: Yeah. Well, hey, that's um, this uh, that's what we're here for, really. That's <laughs> really what I mean. People might think we're here for something else, but that's really what we're here for—to encourage each other and build each other up and spur each yeah. other on to love and good work. So, I mean, you know, the rest of it is—is—is—is is, uh, is, is radio, right? Because you got to fill the time. But, um, but that's really what we're here for—really here for the ministry. That's what I'm here for.
1: <sighs> you know, and I so appreciate Faith Radio. Over, you know, I've been on Faith Radio now about ten and a half years, and um, I just appreciate the consistency of that. In in Whoever wants to listen and whoever wants to participate can uh, really um, have an opportunity to be encouraged on a daily basis and sometimes challenged on a daily basis. And I need that challenge and you need it too. But that's one of the things I love about faith radio. We should,
0: we should, um, we should let you do an on air performance review of me. You've been at this longer. (laughs) You've been at this so much longer than me. Like, right? You've literally been at this so much longer than me. You've been on Faith Radio way longer than me, Um, and you you listen and you're a guest. So, um, yeah. Um, What would? Let's just do this. What Uh, should? No, 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 no. no. I'm not going to ask you to do one. I'm just going to ask this. What should a performance review include? This feels like an interest, a good question to
1: ask. So here here's kind of what where i'm thinking right now just, just this morning uh, after i did some some reading uh there's cuz in my dissertation i i'm i'm differentiating between conventional wisdom and biblical wisdom okay mm, and i'm like comparing that. them conventional wisdom is uh what the world tells us we should be doing and thinking and it's not that I think conventional wisdom is wrong. I don't. I think Christian business owners ought to be embracing conventional wisdom as much as they can, because there's a lot of wisdom in the business literature about how to run a business, especially in the human resources area. But in in terms of performance manglement— <laughs> Management, I'm sorry. Um, in terms of performance management, it just seems to me that conventional wisdom says you focus on the job description and evaluate performance based on the job description, and from there you kind of develop this matrix or maybe a single score, and then from there you say, uh, do they deserve a compensation increase, right? That's kind of the the general flow of a performance evaluation. Oh, and you do it annually, right? Which in bill's ivory tower world is a horrible idea it ought to be it's too done.
0: long that's too long
1: that's why i have because
0: if something needs to be adjusted like if something's out of whack and something needs to be adjusted a year is way too long to wait to address it like you ought to be yeah, doing it that is. in real time there ought to be like little nudges along the way like don't let me get like 30 degrees off the path like as soon as you note that i'm like one degree off the path be like eh, nudge back this direction girl
1: <sighs> yeah, exactly. And so yeah. what I do is with my direct reports, I meet with them every other week, and with a couple of them, I'm probably talking to them two or three times a day, anyways. So that mm-hmm. the performance review is is almost like you know who cares, right? Because we've we've dealt with everything along the way. Yeah, um, good. But the biblical view of performance reviews is not about performance. I'm learning. And, and just try this out, for, just try this on for size, Carmen. It's about faithfulness. What does God reward? He rewards faithfulness. When you look at those seven churches in Revelation 2 and 3, or is it 3 and 4, um, God continually uh, rewards faithfulness. When you go to the Ten Talents in Matthew 25, Right, and 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 you have the three servants. Two of them are good, and one of them's not so good. Uh, what does God reward? He rewards the faithfulness. Yeah, He rewards the output. So the one who got five talents, you know, made another five. Great, wonderful. The one who got two made another two. Great, wonderful. But what He really rewards is faithfulness. And I'm wrestling with how does a Christian business owner take that concept of rewarding faithfulness into a uh an an environment where it's about job descriptions and specific performances and you know blah 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 and so that 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 intersection is is where i'm i'm not stuck but i'm just i'm thinking through
0: so um i'll add to that good so good and faithful service well done good and faithful servant so yes well yeah so goodness and faithfulness okay we have to take a break. Um, And then, I don't know, we could turn and talk about the things that we had talked about talking about, or we could keep talking about this. What do you guys <laughs> want to talk about? Hey, if you're on the text line right now and you're like, hey, I think Bill should do an on-air review of Carmen, you know, that might be fun, Um all right. Uh, uh, we do have a listener who says, well, I just want to go to work for Bill because he sounds like an amazing boss. Well, there you go. Hats off to Bill today. We're going to continue our conversation with Bill English from Bibleandbusiness.com. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. You are not alone. Do you believe me when I say that? You are not alone. The enemy wants you to believe that you are not only alone, all alone, but to make you feel bad about it. That's loneliness. And it's a lie. Jesus tells us that the enemy tells us lies to rob us of our joy, kill our hope, and destroy our lives. And so if you're experiencing loneliness today, let me say this, you're not alone. The enemy is using the weapon of loneliness against a lot of people right now. But here's the good news. God is present. God is present right now, and he's closer to you than your very next breath. God loves you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. You were created for relationship with him. And that sense of loneliness that you have right now, well, that's an indication that your heart knows it. Loneliness is the spiritual indicator that real love, real companionship, real relationship, real life are all possible. And guess what? Jesus literally came to make that connection with you. Do you want to know more? Text the word lonely to 877-933-2484 and I'll drop in on you to remind you that God is present and you're not alone. Text lonely L O N E L Y to 877-933-2484. Connecting Faith to Life, Faith Radio. We're talking with Bill English from bibleandbusiness.com. Um Bill Um, I have had this question multiple times um, from folks just struggling under the stress of inflation and just recognizing like prices aren't going back down. I I mean, inflation may not be as hot as it once was in terms of driving prices further up, but we're never going to have disinflation. It's never going to deflate. Prices aren't, at least on most things, coming back down um or going to come back down and so my cost of living has risen um as inflation you know has been running rampant uh and so you know h- how does how does the average regular person listening right now how do we as a christian negotiate with our employer for a cost of living adjustment like how do you initiate that conversation um and you know, and how do you say like every the price of everything has gone up? Like I need I I need to get paid more for what I do.
1: Yeah, that's tough. Um, we because here's here's what, and I I don't mean to make light of 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 the situation for employees, but your employer more than likely is not getting um, a commensurate pricing increases consistent with inflation too right 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 it, it's and so if there's not a commensurate amount of money coming in then there's not money to give compensation increases look most business owners that i know are pretty humble people they're smart they're really talented at something that's why they own a business and uh, and yet um they really want to be good to their employees um uh, the way that you go and ask is uh, that's that is by the way the value of an annual performance review is because it does give you a chance to ask, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but but you can also during one of the one on ones if your boss isn't meeting with you on a regular basis if your manager isn't go and ask them to, mm-hmm. and and say you know I I'd like to meet with you once every other week and I will bring the agenda because I need to ask you certain things and have these kinds of discussions, blah, blah, blah. And um, in there, you can just say, look, uh, this inflation is killing me. Is there any chance I can get a mid-year or partial year compensation increase? Mm. And and just, just be direct. Don't be demanding. Don't try to tell the boss or your manager or the owner, gosh, all. Oh, don't try to build it up into this huge, big thing. Because they're facing huge, big things that you don't know anything about. I promise you they are. And they'll just they'll just put it in the, it'll be kind of the get in line thing. Uh, but just say, I, I really need to, to stay afloat or, or, to, or to keep uh, living the way that I live today. I need a compensation increase. Is that, is that a possibility? Half the time they'll probably say no because they don't have budget. See, budgets are set on an annual basis, right? We don't read budget halfway through the year because there was 9% inflation. And, and, you know, I run a company with 530 employees. I promise you, almost all of them contacted Human Resources for a compensation increase last year. And Mm. our consistent answer was no, because we don't have budget see yeah. most of our most of our revenue in the healthcare space comes from insurance companies and comes from government reimbursement rates right and those don't increase on an annual you know with inflation those increase at best annually sometimes every two or three years, and so you know. Our our message is at least in the business I run is when we get a reimbursement rate increase, we'll pass it along. In the meantime, we really can't do much with your compensation. Um, Those aren't those aren't happy conversations, right? You know, I mean, those are hard to have. But I would just tell people: be direct, be calm, be wise about what you share, and do not threaten. If I don't get this, I'm quitting because most managers will go, "Good, quit." You know, go, go, because I don't need this problem in my life. So, you know, just, just be direct about what you need.
0: That's so good. Um, We have a listener who, uh, who's on the text line right now and, you know, they're, the organization that they have been working for um, has become a very different place because it's been um, corporatized, right? So I'm assuming that that means that either those who have been running that business um, have, changed the way it's operating or they've been bought out right like so um and so when when where we work changes dramatically because either the structure above us changes or you know the very philosophy of of what we're going to measure and how we're going to measure it changes like right the change of a culture of where we work that dramatically impacts us um and that's worthy of some like pause and consideration when it happens
1: it is. And that's a good time to go to the Lord and say, can I be released from this job and, and find another mm. one?
0: Mm. That's really good.
1: That's really good as well.
0: Yeah. If they're measuring something other than your integrity and your faithfulness, I mean, not that metrics don't matter. Like, right. These are businesses. They exist to create uh, revenue and products and services. And there will be, um, m- you know, mat- metrics that can be, you know, <clears throat> assessed against math. I don't like math, but there you go. Um but yes, your honesty and your integrity um, and treating your customers well, that that is ultimately, you know, the measure of you as a um, as a Christian. Um, oh, and, and this individual says, oh, I get a performance review regularly every time I screw up. Well, we hope. <laughs> we hope. <laughs> yes. Well, yes. Well, hopefully you could be encouraged today. Um, and uh, and you could be and you could be built up and you could be encouraged to um, uh, to speak truth and do so in 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 ways that are genuinely loving and respectful <laughs> and to bring value to the place where you're serving. Let's do that. Let's be people who bring you know, value, add value to
1: what we're doing today. Go ahead, Bill. You know, you know, you know what, comment. I know we're over time, but just if you're a manager out there, um, managing, you know, more than one or oh, even if it's just one person. Take time today to walk the floor of those who are your direct reports and just thank them for what they have done. People are so seldom thanked for doing a good job. Mm. Uh, Just take some time, walk the floor, and thank them. Give them a little love because performance reviews should not just be about when they screw up because people do screw up. You know, I screw up in my job. My board sometimes tells me I've, I've done something wrong. But a lot of times people just need uh, encouragement and some gratefulness from their managers or their business owners if you especially if you're a business owner, uh get out outside your office and get on the floor and talk to your people and just love on them today you It goes okay. so far I'm telling you
0: I, I that is that is awesome, and then I have an assignment from a listener for our next conversation. okay. Uh, Could Bill talk with us who are older, so now we're talking about people in their 50s and 60s, working side by side with 20- and 30-year-olds? Yeah. I sometimes don't feel heard. I feel like a third wheel. I need advice as to how to navigate um, all of this. So that would be a really good conversation. How do those of us in our 50s and 60s work alongside those who are in their 20s and 30s? And, Bill, uh, maybe uh, maybe more to the point, when the 20- and 30-year-olds are our bosses.
1: It gets difficult yeah,
2: it's, it's fun true. right that's it's a fun, time. Dynamic, fun time you
0: yeah. know you know all of these conversations are ultimately just you know just selfish and and helpful to me so there you go so thank you i love you
1: <laughs> love oh, and appreciate you're your, boss, you. your boss look your at boss is not i know they
0: oh by a lot oh but that's she? awesome oh, oh okay. yeah yeah but but that's but it's awesome and it's great but it is it is like the good information to like navigate like you know, people are operating out of a generational worldview, not just uh, um, not just in terms of like faith and those kinds of things. But, you know, what they were exposed to when they were kids is different than what I was exposed to when I was a kid. Like I have a different operating system than they do on some things. Yeah. Anyway, those will be good conversations. We got to leave it right there because Dr. Um, Corbin Hornbeek is actually waiting to be the next guest. So you and I should hang up so we can pick up with him.
1: All right. Sounds good.
0: Love you, man. Love you, man. That's uh, that's Bill English at Bibleandbusiness.com. He will be back to answer all of our questions um, about, you know, being Christians in the work-a-day world. So we talk to him on a regular basis. Hey, you're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. Dr. Corbin Hornbeek is here next. Uh, he is the president of the University of Northwestern St. Paul and Northwestern Media. That means we're on his team Um, and I think that he would say he's on our team as well. So we're going to talk with him, um, about things that we're all dealing with, uh, loneliness, the difficulty in making friends. Um, yeah. And what it's like to, you know, be the president of an institution where one of your alums, um, is in the national news. Um, so one of the police officers killed in the Burnsville shootings earlier this week, um, uh, was an alum, is an alum of UNW, and so is his wife, Cindy. And so how does, uh, you know, your community respond when one of your own um, not only is lost in such a horrific way, but is then talked about in such a public way across the country? So when when the spotlight is shined on you for tragic reasons, like, you know, what do you look like and how do you respond? All of that up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Joining us now, Dr. Corbin Hornbeek. He is the president of the University of Northwestern St. Paul, as well as Northwestern Media. Good morning, Corbin.
2: Well, good morning, Carmen. It's so good to be here uh, with you this morning.
0: It's wonderful to have yeah. you with us today. Um, these are um, These are complicated times. I mean, yeah. obviously, any day is is a challenging day to be a university president and responsible for a global media ministry. Um, the world's attention was turned in part yeah. to UNW this week. Um, can you just talk about like what that's been like um, mm. when, you know, when a member of the, when the university community um, is yeah. taken in such a public way. Yeah. Um, yeah.
2: Well, it's, it is a, a, a week of mourning. Uh, to be sure, and uh, we had a, a faculty meeting yesterday and which we took time to to pray and remember and honor Paul and his sacrifice. Um, there were a lot of tears, and uh, those tears will continue the morning uh, will continue this the service of course, is uh, this coming Saturday um, as people have shared around you know campus this week about paul, I mean. Every student is every student is a precious gift from God. Paul was a deeply loved student when he was here. He was um, well known on campus, and he, he served. And the stories that have emerged this week about Paul and his life and his um, call to public service have been uh, just really uh, deeply, deeply moving and inspiring. I, um, as I've heard the stories, I, I'm new here, so I hadn't had a chance to meet Paul yet, but. I can't help but go back to uh, what what Jesus shared in John 15. Uh, and, and of course, that passage is about the vine and the branches and what it means to to live as branches that are connected to uh, the vine uh, who are rooted in, in Christ. And, and Jesus says in John 15:13, "No greater love has this that a man uh, or a woman lay down their life, for their friends, of course, Jesus was talking about himself, but he was also talking about what it means for us to live uh, life as vines uh, connected um, into or branches connected into the to the vine of Christ. And Paul's uh, Paul Amstrand's life was certainly that. He uh, gave his life sacrificially, and and so when that happens, of course, the, the community of Burnsville, Minnesota, is grieving deeply and the the news stories that we've <clears throat> that we've seen uh, throughout the week um, uh, about paul and his and his colleagues who gave their lives willingly in service to their community um, it brings us back to that place of of really asking what what is what is our calling in life all about? Is it just about ourselves and our own consumption or um, might it be something greater than that? And of course, as Christians, we, we will always say that that the call of Christ is to follow Christ, um, but that means to serve our communities, serve our, our fellow citizens, um, our families, our churches. Um, you know the the mission of University of Northwestern uh, talks about preparing God honoring leaders for the home, the church, the community, and the world. And I think we've seen this week uh, incredible expression of sometimes serving your community or serving your uh, family or serving the world um, might involve laying down your life. And so it, while it's uh, deeply sobering and, and moving, it's also uh, what we are called and how we are called to live our lives as Christ followers in this world.
0: Yeah, for those of you who um, might have been fasting from the news this weekend and aren't aware of this, Um, In the city of Burnsville, um, Minnesota, Burnsville police officers Paul Elmstrad and Matthew Rouge, both 27 years old, and a firefighter paramedic, um, Adam Finseth, 40 years old, were shot and killed Mm. um, when responding to a domestic abuse call on Sunday. Um, They leave behind families and they leave behind grieving communities. Mm. Um, They leave behind moms and dads and friends and neighbors and colleagues um, and so, yeah, um, we need to be praying for these families. We need to be praying for these communities. And it's not lost on me, Corbin, that anytime something like this happens, people who have experienced domestic violence, mm-hmm. gun violence in the past um, – they they are traumatized as yeah. well in the midst of all of this, and so I'm sure on a university campus that has been a part of the conversation as well. It's yeah. it's not as if these incidents take place in isolation; they take place in the stream of things that are happening um, in people's lives.
2: Yeah, they do, <clears throat> and students and and families. Um, these are um, these are situations that unfortunately are are common within our communities, and so it's a it's an opportunity for us as a Christ-centered university to come alongside our students, uh, to care for them, to uh, to uh, walk through these kinds of traumatizing situations with them, and ultimately to model um, how is God calling us as Christians and believers to live in this world. It is it is not easy. Um, and there is a, a temptation i think in some ways to want to retreat from the world and just say wow this is this is too hard and yet uh, i know that god calls us right into the middle of these situations he calls us uh to be salt and light um and and so that places us right in the path of danger It places us alongside people who are suffering um and uh, and that's that's where we need to be uh difficult as it is
0: um we have a leo spouse, a law enforcement officer spouse um on the text line right now. um They just say thank you for sharing this officer's story today, and please be praying mm. for all the officers and yeah. their families um who've lost their lives already this year, yeah. um, including this one um so yeah let's uh let's let's lift up a prayer, Father, we do mm. come before you. Amen in humility and gratitude for those who put their lives on the line for us every single day. Um, And so we lift up to you, everybody in law enforcement at every level and every expression Mm -hmm. of it. Um, And those who are then first responders who come alongside them in so many ways, Um, they're not law enforcement, Father, but they do find themselves Um, in harm's way with, with great frequency. And so thank you for those who rush in when everyone else is running away. Um, And Father, you know, protect them, guide them, direct them, give them wisdom, provide your grace, um, a covering over them, a shield of protection. And Father, um, when, when they do fall, um, be the one who catches them in your everlasting arms. Hold their families close today and tend to them in ways that only you can. Um, and thank you for the strange gift that they become then to one another. Mm -hmm. Um, In Jesus' name, amen.
2: Amen. Amen.
0: We're going to continue our conversation with Dr. Corbin Hornbeek in just a moment. Um, We're going to pivot, and we're going to talk a little bit about what you guys have been communicating in terms of loneliness and the difficulty in making friends. Um, Corbin is quite the friend maker, um, and so I'm just going to ask him, like, uh, what— what counsel do you have for those of us who are lonely and having a hard time making friends today? You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. If you're a new listener, we want to officially welcome you with a free welcome pack gift. Request yours today at myfaithradio.com. Are you lonely today? What does that look like? Um, what does that feel like? What would it uh, What would it look like for you to? just acknowledge the friendship you have with Jesus um, to walk with him and talk with him. And then, you know, I I just, I recognize that, um, you know, we get to the place where we're just like, I need, I need a friend with some flesh on to um, somebody that I can literally reach out and touch. Dr. Corbin Hornbeek is here with us today. Um, He's made a lot of friends in his life. He's actually a really good friend maker. And I thought (laughs) I'm just going to ask him. I'm going to ask him, is it a skill set? Like you have to talk to a lot of people and get to know a lot of people (laughs) and go deep fairly quickly. Right. I mean, just I just all of the spaces and places where you're expected to navigate relationships up and down. Um, up and down the ladder, so I'm just going to set it out there. Like, you know, how do you make friends?
2: How do you make friends? I mean, this is this is the 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 uh, million dollar question. I well, first of all, you just have to love people. I love people, and uh, and yes, people drive us crazy. Um, I have a a really good friend. Actually, he's been one of my longtime mentors uh, in life, and he's an introvert. Um, I am an extrovert, Carmen, as you might uh, guess. And, uh, and my friend who's been a lifelong in ministry his entire life, he says, the ministry is great except for all the people. And, um, he has this, uh, you know, he loves to, he loves to speak, he loves to be up front and people drain him. Um, my wife, uh, Heather is an introvert. And so, um you know our Our greatest disagreements sometimes in our marriage have been around um, the fact that I have an insatiable love for people and a desire to be around people and uh, and my wife, Heather would rather um, be around you know two or three people that she's has a, a deep 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 friendship with and so um, it, loneliness is one of those topics though that seems to dominate. Uh, in our world today, because the reality is we can be surrounded. How can we be surrounded by so many people and yet be lonely? Um, We're surrounded by people in our churches, in our homes. How can people be in marriages and be lonely? Um, How can students walk across our campus at University of Northwestern St. Paul uh, and be surrounded by students and faculty and staff and others and, and be lonely? Um, the reality is that loneliness, I think, is one of the epidemics, um, and there's been a lot written on this. Um, it's one of the the greatest sociological ills of our society uh, and today. And so I think we just need to start by acknowledging the fact that um, every single one of us at some point in our life um, experiences uh, loneliness and perhaps even deep loneliness. Even those of us who are extroverts. Uh, can be lonely. And I've experienced loneliness as well.
0: Yeah, that's so good. Um, loneliness is not actually about the presence or absence of other people, <clears throat> right? Um, which is what you're pointing to there. I mean, you can be in a stadium full of people and feel utterly um, alone, Completely like lonely. Alone. Yeah. Um, because it's about real relationships. If I don't have substantive relationships, if if I don't know people's names and they don't yeah. know mine, Um, if they don't know what's going on in my life beneath the, you know, whatever shiny surface I'm, you know, become very adept at broadcasting out there. If they can't see through the filter of my Insta. Yeah. Right. Then I feel lonely. And so how can people be on Instagram with millions of followers and feel right. lonely? That would be another way to ask the same question. Um, and it's not, and, you know, you might be quick to say, well, that's because that's technology and those aren't real relationships. Yeah. We have a generation of people who absolutely 100% believe those are real relationships. That yeah. is the real world um, for them, the digital universe. Yep. Um, Facebook is 20 this year. We have a generation that doesn't know wow. a world without Facebook. Sorry. Um, and so... Um, Real relationships, actually being in genuine, real relationship with other people. Like, that's what we're talking about. Um, And that's more than um, glad handing a bunch of people after an event. Mm -hmm. The two two or three people who know you, not the two or three thousand people who um, might overhear you. Party. Right there's a yeah. there's a difference there. Can you talk a little bit about how you how you break that barrier? Yeah. Um How because that's scary, right? It, that's, it is. That's revelatory. That's yep. vulnerability, right there.
2: You know this this generation, uh, and I had not thought about that, Carmen, until you just said that. That, that um, Instagram is twenty years old this year. Uh, I am not on Instagram. I'm not a social media junkie, um, and so I, I think one of the things that um, you know, for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction, if you will. And I think that, you know, what social media has done has has drawn out of people a deep, deep longing and desire to be in relationship. Now, the, the thing about relationship is that it, it, it always involves risk, whether it's marriage, whether it's family, whether it's friendships, whether it's church, um, our workplaces. Um, and people talk about leadership being... A lonely place. Um, I've just decided I'm not going to be lonely uh, in leadership. And so, um, you know, there there are times where you're tempted to want to sort of retreat a little bit. Um, I am really, really blessed <clears throat> to have uh, a team of people around me that I can share, um, you know, where, where I am in life. I've got a wonderful board of trustees. Um, but I think as we build relationships with people, we have to be known. We have to, we have to go past our name and our occupation and our marital status and our our job and how many children we have, and we have to be willing to pull back um, the the shades of our life and tell people our story. Because when you sit down and tell people your story, um, all of our stories are filled with some uh, amazing experiences and some really difficult experiences. Um, And I'll just share this, you know, briefly my wife and I shared uh, last week on Valentine's day uh, with a large group of students on campus. We shared our story of our marriage, which is a wonderful love story, but it is a story that is filled with a lot of brokenness coming out of both of our families where my father was married and divorced four times. And Heather has shared openly, she was conceived in the backseat of a car. Um, God has Pulled us to drew us together, um, and has given us a story to tell people to encourage people. But um, but we we want to be known, and we want our stories to be known. We want to give people, especially students and others, a platform to also be known and to share their stories and and to build deep and authentic relationships in the context of that.
0: It occurs to me that Jesus came to make the Father known. Yeah, like this is such a gospel. Um, conversation. Yeah. Um, so, as you're listening today, I want you to think about the ways in which Jesus makes God known to you, and what a friend you have in Jesus, what it looks like in Scripture for um, people to walk with God as friend, um, and what uh, what your relationship with God looks like mm-hmm. today. Draw near to God, that He yeah. would draw near to you. Um, recognize that God is not changing. God, God never changes, and God's not going to change. Mm-hmm. Um and so, if you want a deeper, more intimate relationship with him, then you need to find your way right now into the secret place yeah, you need to go meet with him. Um, God is available, he has made himself known, God has made himself known in creation he's made himself known in the old and new testaments of scripture he's made himself known through the person of Jesus, and he's closer to you right now than your next breath mm-hmm. um, you you don't um mm-hmm. you don't have to live outside of relationship with God. And once your relationship with God is restored, it really does change everything because it changes, um, you and therefore your perception of yourself, your relationship with yourself, your understanding of yourself, and therefore every other relationship that you have and the possibility of having. Yeah. So, um, so I want you to draw unto God today as your friend, walk with him, talk with him, check out, uh, Check out, you know, songs about what it means to have a friend in Jesus. Um, Jesus is bearing your sins and your grief, and it's a privilege for him to do so. That's crazy. But that's what prayer makes possible. And so um, if you're lacking peace, if you're in pain that you cannot bear, carry it all to God in prayer. Trials, temptations, trouble everywhere. We should never be discouraged because we have the privilege of taking it to the Lord in prayer. Those are some of the lines from What a Friend Mm -hmm. We Have in Jesus. It's an old, old song. You may be utterly familiar with it if you are relatively new to the world or new to the faith, but those are the kinds of encouragements I want to lift up before you today. Corbin, we are out of time today, but as always, thank you so much for the conversation and for your leadership and your friendship.
2: Uh, Thank you, Carmen. It's so good to be with you this morning, and uh, have a fantastic day. You too. Yeah, hey, things. friends!
0: First Chronicles uh, sixteen twenty three. Let the whole earth sing to the Lord each day. Proclaim the good news that He saves. Have a great day. God bless. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LaBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.